0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody, before I get to my, my word. I want to wish every dad a happy Father's Day. So give you guys a hand on the back. Let's clap for the fathers. And if you're a dad, give yourself a a pat on the back. Can you do that? So what's a Father's Day without dad jokes? Am I the only one uh, who loves dad jokes? You know, are my kids the only ones who roll their eyes at dad jokes? Well, I'm going to give you guys a couple dad jokes here, all right? Well, why did the golfer bring two pairs of pants? Casey got a hole in one. <laughs> what do you call a line of men waiting to get haircuts? A barber queue. Get it? Why did the football coach go to the bank? To get his quarterback. <laughs> All right. Why did the orange lose the race? Well, it just ran out of juice. Um, where, do the, where do boats go when they're sick? To the dock, of course. Um, all right, last one. This is a life lesson that, you know, I know I try to teach my kids. Well, how do you teach your kids about taxes? You eat 38% of their ice cream. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> it's close to home, though, doesn't it? Um so we have some gifts for fathers, so if, if the ladies want to come on up and, and line up here, if you're a dad, can you please stand up, and we have a gift for you, and I want to explain these gifts, so these, yeah, give them a hand, all right, if you're a dad, there you go. So these, these gifts are candy bars, and these three candy bars symbolize three attributes of a dad. The first one, Big Hunk. How many people still believe they're a big hunk? Well, don't raise your hand. All right. The next one, of course, is Payday. And last but not least, and probably most precious, is Lifesaver. So guys, uh, uh, why don't we um, hand out the candy bars, pick whatever one you want, enjoy, and remain standing because we're going to pray for you guys, okay? Okay. And just bless you and tell you guys how much we, we really appreciate you guys. You know, it's it's not easy being a dad these days. It feels like there's an assault on fatherhood, on masculinity, and, and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, you know, my hats are off to each one of you guys. You're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. And um, one of my favorite quotes is, one of my all-time favorite uh, father quotes is spoken... Uh, by none other than the Lord, Jesus, in Luke fifteen twenty, And he said, he, he sums up the perfect father. He says, while he was still a long way off, the, the forgotten son, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So um, can, if you're next to one of, your, one of the dads standing up, can you lay hands on him? We're going to pray for him right now. All right, we're just going to ask for a blessing, a prayer over, those, over you guys. Lord, we just thank you for fathers, and Lord, um, you've called each one of these men to father their children, Lord, and you gave them the ability to do that, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask, Lord, a blessing today that you would bless each father here. Lord, just refresh them today. Give them perspective. Let them feel special, Lord, today. And Lord, you are our Heavenly Father, and let them feel the warmth of your love, of your embrace, of your pleasure today too, because you do love us as your Heavenly Father. And let the dads feel like they have a day off and they can just enjoy themselves and relish in just the beauty of being a dad. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And, and one more thing I just want to... Um, You know, the fathers, you can sit down and can we just have like a quick moment of silence because I know not all our fathers are with us. Some have gone on before and, you know, we we want to remember them too because these days, this day can be kind of tricky Uh, and and even for some people, you know, maybe you didn't have the best father. So this kind of day brings up a lot of interesting memories and difficult memories. So can we just bow our heads and I just want to remember, especially those dads who have passed on. Lord, and let me just say, Lord, uh, one day when we get to see you, our Heavenly Father, Lord, there's an old song, and it says, What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. When I look upon his face, see the one who saved me by his grace. And we say that we love you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, uh, we know that you've seen hurts, you've seen pains, you see some of the emptiness that's, that's left by fathers that have passed on. Or, or other situations, and we ask today, Lord, there'd be a healing for those people, a healing, Lord, Lord, any brokenness, any brokenheartedness, Lord, they would just feel your balm of the Holy Spirit coming and healing any emptiness, Lord, any, any hurt on a day like today. Let it be replaced by realizing how much you love us as our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 Yeah, thank you, Jesus. That's good. Um, well, two weeks ago, I started out. Uh, I introduced what we're going to do. What well, we started a little bit last week, and what we're doing today. I invited each one of you to take a journey on us as we kind of do a self evaluation. We look at what Scripture says. What. 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 This Christian life should be, and our viewpoints and our outlooks, and what we're doing. And we want to line up what the Bible says and what we do. And if any adjustments in the way we do church, the way we think about God, in any of this, we want to align back to what Scripture says. Uh, last week, Ant really brought home um, uh, about worship. He talked about just worshiping the King in spirit and in truth and giving it all up to him. It was good. And this week, today, I want to talk about the church. The church. And, you know, it's an interesting um, idea about being devoted to the church. And that's what we're, we're in here, is we're in a series on, um, this is, all right, sorry about that, guys, having technical difficulties. Um, let's see here. Well, the series, what we want to talk about, is on the church, and it's being devoted. Devoted, and it comes out of Acts 2, uh, chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and it says, they devoted themselves, and there was a list of things they devoted themselves. And so, on the one hand, when the Bible says that the church is arguably the most important institution that Jesus Has put on the earth. Jesus has commissioned the church to bring his kingdom on earth. And the church is the instrument that Jesus wants to use to show who Jesus is and what he's like. You know, and on the other hand, the church is probably one of the most misunderstood concepts or institutions in our day and age. Some people say, well, I'm the church. You know, and therefore, I really don't need to belong to any organized structure or institution. And some people, you know, they're driving by La Pata, and they see our building, and they say, well, that's the church. And then other people say, you know what, they're Christians, but they, and they love Jesus, but they don't want anything to do with church. And, you know, all three of those concepts are actually not found in the Bible, And most of those three philosophies contradict what the Bible actually says. And I believe that you can't really be a mature Christian and not love the church properly. And you're probably thinking, well, you know, that's kind of your job. You work for the church. Of course you're going to say that. But it's actually what the Bible says. And being a part of a church is a fundamental part of being a Christian. In fact, in the scope of eternity... What church you belong to is one of the most important decisions that you will ever make while you're here on earth. And think about that. Do we really believe that? Is that really a huge priority? You know, when I, when I went to college, there was all kinds of majors, but there was no major about the church, you know? I mean, there's just, we don't really put a lot of value or, or sometimes even thought about what church I belong to. But what church you belong to has Far greater consequences than where you live, what your job or career will be, what sports team you follow, or even who becomes the next president of the United States. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) But what church you belong to will shape how you know Jesus, your views on the Holy Spirit, actually how you love your spouse, how you raise your kids, every part of you in your life. What church you belong to is actually a very, very important thing. And we underestimate the value that Jesus actually placed on the church. In fact, God's plan to save the world is through the church. Let me say that one more time. God's plan to save the world is through the church. And this is exactly, let me try this one more time, what... um, uh, what Paul said in Ephesians 3:10 I guess my slides aren't working today i 'm sorry about that. So if you have your phone, if you want to get it, get your Bible out or you could just listen really intently and the first uh, verse i 'm going to talk about is in Ephesians chapter three verse 10 uh, Ephesians three verse 10 and it says and, god, and, and Paul is talking here and he says his god 's intent was that now, through the church The manifest, manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So God's intent was to save the earth through the church and through the church that his wisdom, the wisdom of God in all its fullness, including the plan of salvation will come through the church. The church is to be a reflection of of what God is like. When the world sees the church, they're like, okay, now I, I see the church and now I understand what God is like. And that means that if we get this wrong, if we don't do church right, the world is actually going to get a twisted view of what God is like. And how many people have actually seen that happen where, you know, as Christians, it's like, man, you know, there's that one church and they they used to go to like... Uh, Soldiers funerals and preach, and of course the news media captures them and makes it seem like all the churches are like them, and you know they're just mean and it's so embarrassing, and you're thinking these poor people, they have this twisted view of God because they see this twisted view in a church, so it's a really big thing that we, the church, have been entrusted with. The church is a big deal the The, the church is God's answer, and our job as the church is to show the world the wonder. And wisdom of God. Imagine if we got this right, and the world looked in at the church, and they come and they're like, "Oh, that's what God's love looks like." I'm seeing you guys, and that's what it looks like. Okay, or oh, you know, that's what it means to love your your wife or your husband. Oh, okay, I get it. I, I'm not seeing it out in the world, but in the church, I see that. Or, or that's what it's like to be a good father or a good friend or a good parent. You know, it's a really big deal. And so if it's true that the church is the answer, we need to know how the church should work and what Jesus wants the church to look like. So let's look at what the church really is. If you want to turn to uh, Matthew 16, 18, Matthew 16, 18, that's the first book in the New Testament, Um, Matthew 16, 18, and Jesus is talking, and he says, I tell you, he's talking to his disciples, he says, I tell you that you are Peter, he's talking to Peter, the the first uh, leader in the church, and he says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. And so that's the first time Jesus used the word church. And the Greek word for that word, the the Greek word for church was ecclesia, ecclesia. And ecclesia is defined as a public assembly duly summoned. So the word church in Greek is ecclesia, the public assembly duly summoned. So like if, if, if we called all the Americans who lived in South Orange County here and we assembled and we were all American citizens, well, that would be the ecclesia, a public assembly duly summoned. And this is what the picture of the church is, a people who are citizens who gather together. And, and as we know, we're not citizens. Uh, I mean, we are citizens. We're Americans, most of us, and we're citizens of this earth, but we're actually citizens of heaven. And when we get together, we are the ecclesia, the church. And um, so when people say, you know, I am the church, how many people have heard that? You know, and that's common. I'm the church. Well, you can't be the church by yourself. I mean, I would love to just have this church where it's, you know, the first, the first church of Peter Klaus, you know, me, myself, and I. <laughs> but the assembly of the church is lots of people coming together, making a mosaic, you know how many I know we have a couple artists here when you're making a painting you 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 use different colors and you 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 create something beautiful a masterpiece so why can't I be my own church well I by myself am not a proper reflection of who Jesus is I have some gifts but I don't have all of them you have some gifts you don't have all of them but the idea behind the church is that we come together and together we reflect the beauty of Jesus. You know, and, the, it's, it's, and Paul uses the analogy of body parts. And the parts of a body don't reflect the body, but the body as a whole reflect the individual. You're not up here looking at my, my fingernail. Even though if, if I stubbed it yesterday or if it was falling off, I would notice it and it would bug me. But you're looking at the whole package, the whole Peter Klaus. You know, but Peter Klaus is made up of different individuals. And these things help reflect me. So it's not just Jesus and me. Um, and then there's an assault on the church these days. You know, the, the church is losing members overall. Uh, it has a bad reputation, you know, in, in America. And the church really, in a lot of ways, is not a very good representation of Christ. And a lot of people have left the church or just don't want to do it on their own. And they think that church and Christianity is not healthy. So what, what, is, what have a lot of churches, pastors, leaders done? Well, we're, are, you know, some, some pastors, the goal is just to get people in their church. You know, People are leaving, so what do we need to do to get people in the church? And I, I've seen this something subtle, and it's really common. You know, the focus of a lot of churches has shifted, and the focus is on Me or you. And a lot of churches, they say, well, you know what? We're here for you. We want to meet your needs. We want to meet your kids' needs. We want to wow you. We want to give you a great show every Sunday morning. So you say, it's worth my time. And, you know, we'll keep it to an hour, hour and a half. And, you know what? We'll let you check that box because it's all about you. And Jesus is here to serve your needs. And Jesus is here to to make your life better. And there's some truth to that. Obviously, Jesus came to earth to save us, and he loves us as a father loves his son. But sometimes, when the concept of church, it's like all about me and what I want. And so subtly, as leaders, we want people. We don't want to lose people. So we're going to kind of feed into that notion. Like, well, we're just going to give you what you want. We're going to tell you what you want. We're going to try to do it better than the guy next uh, down the street. But in the Bible, I don't see that kind of church. I really don't. Um, the type of church I see is different than this mentality that we have, that it's all about me. In the Bible, actually, I see four attributes of a healthy church. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, four ha- attributes of a healthy church. And I don't see these attributes in many churches around. In fact, you know, and I'm not trying to say that we have it all figured out and everybody else is wrong. You know, I know a lot of us here at Heritage, we don't have some of these attributes as well. That's why we're looking at what ta- what's taught in scripture. The way the Bible is, is, uh, describes churches in scripture and trying to align ourselves with it. And my prayer is as we look at these four attributes of a healthy church, we will be convicted to become a healthy church that makes Jesus happy and properly reflects him. Imagine if people came in and they're like, wow, now I understand who God is now what i when i read in the scripture and i come here and i see the way things are lived out it makes sense actually i see it and my my greatest fear and it should be for every leader for all of us elders is to not be like the church mentioned in revelation remember at the, uh, there were seven churches and there was uh, five of them had issues and two of them were good the odds are kind of bad in that regard. And remember, you know, some, Jesus said, hey, listen, if you don't repent, if you don't get things right, you're doing all this stuff, but you're missing the ball here. If you don't get things right, I'm going to actually take your lampstand away. You know, in other words, I'm going to fight against you with my, the sword of my mouth, with the word of God. And remember that one part where Jesus said, uh, you know what, you're, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm, and I'm going to spew you out of your mouth. This is a heavenly father who loves you. And he's so disgusted with what he saw in these churches that he's actually going to vomit them out. You know, we, we have this image of Jesus that he's just the Mr. Santa Claus all the time. But in Scripture, we see another Jesus where he could be kind of uh, upset when we don't do things the way we're supposed to do it. Even though he loves us. And it's for our own good. And then there's that one image where there's Jesus and he's knocking at the door. And he says, let me in. And actually, that's a picture of a church, and they have it all together. They think they're doing it right, and Jesus isn't there. He's actually outside knocking, wants to come in. I do not want to be that church. You know, our goal is to have Jesus here every single Sunday. To, and, and not just here on Sunday, but during our week, in our fellowship, every part of our life. So what are the four attributes of a healthy church? And a healthy church ultimately is a church that Jesus is in. Well, the first is a healthy church is made up of people who are devoted. And that's what our series are. It's it's the people who are devoted. It says in in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves. And if you want to turn there real quick, it says in Acts 2.42, Um. Acts 2.42, it says they, this is a picture of the early church. And this is probably the most accurate, purest picture of the church of Jesus Christ. You know, it's before, before the, it was spoiled. It was almost like, you know, little Samuel there, his mom's going out probably to feed her or something um but like you know when babies are born they smell so good they're so pure and it's like everything is amazing about them and this was a picture of the early church and it was probably at its purest form and this is this is the way they describe the early church it says they the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer now devoted is a strong word You know, a lot of us, the the, the things we're probably most devoted to is like, you know, what do you spend the most time doing? What do you know the most about? Like sometimes I have to check my own self. Like I'm a big hockey fan and, you know, I know all the players and the statistics and stuff and I'm, I'm very devoted to it, almost too much so. You know, they were devoted like that to the church. Can you imagine that? Knowing the statistics of the leaders here of you know everything that goes on in the church. You're so devoted to the church and to, to those people that when you don't see someone on Sunday, you're like, where are they? Can you imagine that? And it says, everybody was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. God was moving. Every time they got together, God was moving. It wasn't just a show and yeah, that worship was good or that was a great message, but you know, they came and they were moved. They saw something they didn't see anywhere else. That's what a sign and wonder is. A sign and wonder is just something supernatural that you don't see anywhere else. And it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property possessions to get to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were devoted. They were all in. They sold their goods and their houses. They had fellowship. They had prayer. You know, that's not really what we see in most churches today. You know, we're lucky if we do 10%, we, you know, give our tithes. I mean, that's the way I look at it. And I, I think, you know, I've kind of done my duty. But sometimes it's like this family, it's like, I'm all in. I'll do whatever it takes because I'm devoted. It's the kind of devotion that, you know, I have to my family. I have to my wife and my kids. Like, you know, hey, my kid calls me at 2 in the morning. I'm stuck on the freeway and, or this or that. I will go no matter what because I'm devoted to my family. Imagine if we had that kind of devotion to each other here at the church. Imagine that. And, um, but today we, we kind of have a different type of devotion, and it's very subtle. It's a devotion to me. Even churches are devoted to making you feel good, to telling you you're it. <laughs> you're the pinnacle of everything. And you know what? We're really, when, when you come to a church, people kind of expect that, like, how is my need met? How are my kids' needs met? But what's presented in the Bible is quite different than our modern mentality, even in churches. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, you saw people being together. They're devoted to the teaching. They're devoted to the Bible. They're devoted to leadership, sharing, self And you know what? They didn't just give to each other. They actually put it at the the, the leader's feet and said, you guys do whatever you want to it. You know, and, and as a leader, that would be scary to have that kind of responsibility. And and we don't really trust our leaders, you know, we don't you know, all, there's all this conspiracy theories against leaders in, in government. So we have an aversion to leadership. How dare we would give our money, you know, aside from our ten percent, to leaders to do whatever they want. Like, well, how do I know they're not gonna go out and buy a Porsche or whatever? You know what I mean? It's like can you imagine that type of devotion? We don't really see it like that here. And even the signs and wonders, the supernatural. You know, I want to come to a church and, and have Jesus here. And remember in scripture, when Jesus went to a synagogue, that he always identified the person who was sick, and that person got healed. And oftentimes, the, the sickness was related to some kind of demon. And so a demon would manifest during his, his message because the presence of God was so, so strong. You know, and we're actually, you know what, that would make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. We don't really want to go there, but yet, if we're devoted to this, we're going to let God move however He wants to. So a second, so a second uh, sign of a healthy church is a healthy church is made up of people who meet together regularly, who meet together regularly. This is this seems very very basic. First is they're devoted. Second, they meet together regularly. Um, And and in that early church, it said in verse 46, every day they continue to meet together. You know, for me, sometimes it feels like, man, if I can come on a Sunday and go to group, I'm living large. (laughs) But you look at this early church. They actually met together every day. So they didn't have meetings in the church every day. They actually met in their homes. They were fellowshipping. They were loving. They were being a family. But the stats on actual church attendance, this has been around for a long time, and we haven't done this recently, but I remember Bruce Wagner, uh, he was our old family's pastor. He he did a study on this with uh, Sunday school attendance, and the national average was a Christian, a solid Christian, goes to church 1.6 times a month. We actually compared it to our statistics, and that was what basically people at Heritage were coming, you know, their average was coming 1.6 times a month. Now, we have some exciting news in my family. My son is getting married in two weeks, and yeah. Imagine after they got married, he would come home for dinner 1.6 times a month, you know, he's probably going to end up seeing Phil at some point, you know, our, our church counselor. <laughs> and, you know, that's why the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10.25, he, well, 10.24, he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And what did he say to do? He said, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Not giving up meeting together. A healthy church is made up of people who meet together regularly. And you know what? Living in Southern California, in South Orange County, in San Clemente, with our beautiful weather, I mean, do they still have that bumper sticker that says, San Clemente, the best weather in the world? You know, we have the beach, we have all this stuff. We have so many things that are saying, come here on Sunday. (laughs) Don't meet. You know, there's so many distractions. So, It takes a devoted people just to show up every Sunday and not go to the beach and not do this and not do that. But the Lord is looking for a church full of devotion and people who meet regularly. And like any relationship, it requires commitment and regularity. Even in our marriage, like, you know what? Uh, When Elvira and I, when we're doing well, we're we're like usually, you know, when we go on vacation, we're with each other 24-7. We're having an amazing time. And then sometimes you come home and you're just like she's doing stuff I do stuff and then she says something and I was like what did she mean by that and so I say something back and you know it, it, there's this tension that happens because we don't have this regular communication and stuff and when we miss our regular attendance at church and with your church family I tell you I don't know how you are I sometimes I see people who do the 1.6 times and I don't know how you would do it if it was me personally I really have to come every Sunday and as much as possible. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have a healthy spiritual life. So I don't know how a lot of people do it. Or maybe it's just not being done. Or maybe it's an un- unhealthy relationship. But a lot of people say, well, I don't go to church anymore. Sure, I'm a Christian, and I get together with a couple buddies at the beach or a coffee shop. And the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, it's a church. So I'm the church, you know, but it's actually not the church. The church is called the Ecclesia, which is a gathering together of the saints with leadership, structure, and things that make up a church. And you look at the Bible, there's a lot talked about church leadership. Elders, deacons, and qualifications. You know, it's not just a bunch of people getting together. It's good to, to get together with your friends and talk about the Lord at the beach or a coffee shop. But it's not a church. It's just a bunch of friends getting together at the beach or a coffee shop, uh, you know, talking about Jesus. Ecclesia or the church is every part coming together to make up the body of Christ, and we're not. It says it says that we're not supposed to neglect meeting together, and we can't force you to come. You know that's definitely not our style. But it says in, in Acts two forty two that that picture of the church. It says they gave themselves to this. Nobody forced them, but when you get it, you give yourself. You're happy to give yourself. When you're in love, you can give yourself to that person that you adore. And when we fall in love with Jesus, we give ourselves to what Jesus loves, and Jesus loves the church. Amen. And when you give yourself, it's a beautiful thing. And you will, when you give yourself to the Lord and his church, you will actually enter into the inheritance that God has for you. And just a note to parents, especially dads since his father's day, What you model in this will be caught by your kids. You can say something, but if you do something else, that's what they're going to do. And especially in our day and age, uh, like with sports, like kids in sports, it's almost become this monster thing that really competes with so many things in life. Uh, we have some relatives recently I, I got together with, and they were great Christians. They're still very strong Christians, and they were complaining and talking how their two adult sons are not following the Lord anymore, and they're married, and you know they're, 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 their wives aren't following the Lord, but I remember that they were such strong Christians, always going to church, always in the life of the church, and then their kids got older, and their kids started getting into hockey. I mean, I love hockey. There's nothing wrong with hockey. And they were good at it so they got into the club and every weekend they were gone playing hockey and this was all through their formative years. And when they went on their own, they, they still play hockey, it's interesting, <laughs> as adult kids, but they don't follow Jesus. And actually I wanna honor my dad. One of the things that he did that was so amazing, I'll never forget it. I was in elementary school and I've always been a pretty good athlete and I was on a sports team and we made the finals. And all the other games were on like Friday or Saturday. And we made the finals, and this was on a Sunday. And so I was like, hey dad, guess what? Come to my game on Sunday. He's like, you're not going to the game on Sunday. And I was like, what do you mean, this is the finals? He's like, no, we go to church on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day, it's the Sabbath. We don't do anything on Sunday. And I was like, dad, and I was crying and calling him names. And then so, so I, I told my coach at practice, he's like, what, no, we have to have you. We're gonna lose without you. And so I was like, "Well, that's what my dad said." So the coach comes and a couple parents, and they're all cornering my dad and saying, "You know, you're a bad parent. and This is the team, and you know, what are you teaching your kid?" And this and that. And my dad's like, "You know, he, he's from Germany. He doesn't understand this whole American culture thing." And so he's like, "Well, you know, know what? We go to church." And he didn't give it a second thought. And man, I cried and I was mad and there was a season I was just like, "Ah, oh, terrible." <laughs> but you know what? I had a value for church. And I learned it through him. He put his foot down. Yeah. Yeah, give him a hand. So if you want your kids to follow the Lord, model Christ now. Prioritize the Lord and what he loves. And he loves the church. So the third, a healthy church is made up of people who come to give, not to get. The third sign of a healthy church is made up of people who come to give, not to get. How do we normally choose a church? And this is, you know, I I remember, uh, this is the way I've always chosen a church. You know, I go and I look at their worship. I, I look at their kids' ministry, if I have kids. You know, or when I was single, I looked at their singles' ministry, their teaching. Where can I get fed the best? But what does the Bible say? How do we choose a church? You ever thought about that? Well, the Bible, it says that God actually chooses the church for you. The Lord has a plan for you, and part of the plan is to follow the Lord and ask the Lord, where do you want me to go to church? In Acts 2.47, where we have this picture of the the infant church, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God adds people to the church. God wants you, who feel called to heritage, to be here. So the question is, not what church should I get, where is the Lord adding me? Is the Lord adding you to this church? Because that's an important question. Because if you say yes, and then you're like, you know what, that Peter guy, he's a nice guy, but he's a bad teacher. I don't like when he preaches. I don't get anything out of it. Well, if the Lord's adding you here, how do you you work with that? Or like, you know, what about the kids' ministry? There's no singles. What about the worship? I don't like the new worship style. That's a good question. If the Lord is adding you here and you have an issue, well, maybe we should check our motivation or the real reason we should be at church. What if God is calling you to heritage not to receive? that weird well hey i'm giving tithes so i should get something for my money right (laughs) it's kind of what we think i mean i go to a store and i pay i want service what if god is calling you to heritage not to receive but to come to heritage to give and you know we might have visitors and you might have your home church you know i'm not talking about heritage for you or whatever you feel called what if god is calling you to your church not to receive but to give And what if God gave you certain gifts that God wants to use at Heritage so we can be a better reflection of Jesus? Paul talked about the body of Christ, the church, being like a body. And this so goes against our normal philosophy, doesn't it? Like even how we choose churches and we determine things. Does a body part get to determine which part they play? Does my elbow get to want to be an eye from time to time? Not really. But if something's wrong with my elbow, right, Josh? My whole body's going to be affected. So where does the Lord want you to fit in? Maybe you're the missing toe we've had all these years. And because we have a missing toe, we're kind of walking with the limp, you know? But when you come, we plug you in, and it's like, whoa, I can walk better now. I look better. I'm a better reflection of Jesus, Have you ever thought about that? Perhaps God is calling us to die to ourselves in order to live for him. Doesn't that sound kind of scriptural? (laughs) But we don't apply that when we look at a church. Because when we look at a church, it's sort of bought into the whole modern culture and it's probably an advertisement because every time we watch something and even when we stream there's always these ads and like you know this product is going to be good it's going to make your life easier because you matter you're the best you're the king of the world and then we're like yeah it's me and we come to church and we're like what can they do for me we want we want us you guys want me to sell you and say you know what stay here because we got this for you we got this for you we'll make you a better you but what if The Lord wants us to come to die so we can live. Come to give up. You know, maybe it's not the best teaching for you, but yet you can speak life into the people around you. You can help mentor some young people, maybe a young couple, and you've been through a lot, and you see this young couple here at the church, and you can pour out your life in him, in them. Didn't Jesus say that in Matthew 10, 39? This is Jesus' words in red. Whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And if I'm going to a church and it's all about me, am I really gonna discover God's destiny for me? Because real life is only found through the cross. And a cross requires a dying to self. And when we die to ourselves, we truly find the life of Christ. And maybe that's why we're not seeing miracles in the supernaturals, because it's all about us. Yeah, I have a friend named Steve. And he had three daughters. And he was church shopping and going to different churches. And he came across this one church. It was kind of a new church plant. And it was good. They were on fire. God's presence was there. But it was all young people. And there was no other families there. No other kids And down the street, they had this church and had the most amazing kids program. And so he kind of talked to the pastor, and he's like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to stay. And the pastor challenged him. And then they prayed about it, and they felt God was calling him to be the first family at this church. And it was difficult, because the kids are like, we don't want to go to the church. We want to go to the church that has Disneyland down the street. (laughs) And the wife was, you know, she kind of had to watch the kids, so she was to Sunday school, everything. And they like felt God convict them to do it. They did it and they obeyed. They paid the price. And they put their they put the church's needs cuz the pastor's like, "We need families. Will you be the first?" And they're like, "All right, we'll do it." They put the church's needs over their own. They died to themselves. What happened? Well, they ended up pioneering the kids ministry at that church. And they paid the price. And that was, you know, we're part of 412, Andrew Selly leads that, and they have their own church called Josh Jen, it's like about 5,000 people now. That was the original Josh Jen. And this guy, was name was Steve Corko. I stayed with him when I was there, and it, they were the very first family at Josh Jen. And right now, they have about 1,000 kids in their Sunday school and children's ministry. Hundreds of those kids got affected by the Lord, hundreds of those kids... Uh, are serving Jesus today because one family decided to die to their needs and to meet the need of a church. And you know, they're kids, they have three girls, they're adult girls, they love God. One is married to a guy who's a leader in the church and they're serving God. They saw their parents model something. Do you want to find your life? Then come and be willing to lose it. They devoted themselves A healthy church is made up of people who will give not to get. And God has put something in you that we need and God has put something in us that you need. You ever thought about that? You have a special part to play in this church and it's not to be a pew warmer. I believe each one has an inheritance here and inheritances are found in families. And if you don't play your part, we won't be complete. You know, in football, if the right tackle doesn't do his job, the quarterback's going to get sacked. <laughs> we need every single person or body part to be the part of the church that you're supposed to be. And the fourth thing for a healthy church is a healthy church is made up of people who belong to each other. And this is coming from Romans 12.5. If, if, you know, I, would, I would tell you, to, if you don't get anything out of this message, write down Romans 12.5 and go home and look it up. It's, it's a, just a mind-blowing verse. It uses such strong language of how we're supposed to operate in the church. In, in Romans 12, 5, it says, So in Christ we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It says, In Christ, though many form one body, and each member, all of us, we belong to each other. You know, if my daughter isn't home when she's supposed to be home, I get worried. I'm going to call her because she belongs to our family. She should be home. You know, if I don't show up for dinner, if I'm late, my wife calls me and says, hey, where are you? What's going on? Because I belong home. You know, we belong to each other. And imagine if we really owned that. We would be so concerned for each other. When people aren't here, we'd be like, where are you? Not to control you, but just like we're concerned for you. You know, we have heard that we are not our own. We were bought at a price and we belong to Jesus. But this verse says, we don't only belong to Jesus, but we also belong to the church, to each other. Pretty strong language. When God places us in a church, we lose something of me as an individual and we become we as a corporate body. You know, a lot of cultures still have this collective corporate mentality, like China does, a lot of cultures. But Americans, we don't really like being a we. We're all about being me. But the Bible is a body, and the Bible is a church, and the church is we. And the Christianity that we're used to is so different than the Christianity in the Bible. We become a, when we become part of the church, we become something, part of something that's so much bigger than us. So, for many people, they say, well, I've been hurt by the church. You know, that sounds nice in theory, but I tried it, and I've been hurt by the church. And a lot of people have been hurt by the church. And on behalf of the senior leader here, I want to apologize to everybody who's been hurt by the church. I really do. On behalf of the Lord. And on behalf of a father, I felt this earlier, I want to say I'm sorry if your dad wasn't the best dad to you. To so know the Lord loves you. And I just want to say on behalf of all dads, if you had a bad dad, I want to say I'm sorry. Hopefully that'll bring some healing. But a lot of people said, I've been hurt by the church. So what's the solution? This might sound kind of harsh. It's simple. Guard your heart and get over it quickly. If you've been hurt by the church, guard your heart and get over it quickly. And if I'm honest, I don't think there's anybody here who's been as hurt by the church as much as myself. Honestly, when you're a leader, I heard this saying, and it says, tall trees catch a lot of wind. When you're the point guy, you catch all the flack. I remember when I became the point guy, I had this other guy who was an associate, and then he became the main guy, and he's like, oh, things are going to change. Everybody loves the associate, but when you become the main guy, it's like, you know, it's a different story. I've explained hurts in many forms at the church. And, you know, growing up in the church, too, slander, gossip, abuse, betrayal, and also not just against me, against my family. So I understand being hurt by the church. And the same thing happened to Jesus. You know, Jesus, they said, man, he's got a demon, and they try to run him out of town, and they end up crucifying him. And Jesus probably had it worse than all of us, and he was perfect. And I'm not perfect. I mean, some of of the abuse probably is self-inflicted at times. But for me, I had to guard my heart and get over it quickly. And if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be up here today. And I learned this lesson by being married with my wife. You know, sometimes I hurt her. I know that's hard to understand and believe. Uh, and you know what? In like any marriage, you know, you, you hurt your spouse and they kind of wallow in it and you can, there's this tension and hopefully you get over it quickly. When we got married, they say, you know, never let the sun go down on your anger. We've tried to do that, but sometimes you just can't help and it, it lasts a couple days and then sometimes, you know what, she just says, at some point she says, okay, you know what, let's just move on and get over it. And I'm like, I'm down, let's do it. And you know what I mean? And she just makes this decision and we kind of get over it. And, and she does. And we need to realize that we're part of this family and sometimes families hurt each other. But we need to get over it, guard our heart, and just move on quickly. We all have pain and things to deal with. But you know what, when we do that, that's part of the demonstration of family, of the church to the world. They're like, that's how you deal with conflict. Oh, okay. That's how you forgive someone. That's how you deal with someone who just hurt you to the core. And for me, all the hurt and pain I've experienced, you know, when you handle it right, it's brought so much growth. I used to have these trigger points that someone just barely scratched, and boom, I would blow up. And now, after all these issues, you know, I've grown and it doesn't affect me like it used to. So you know what? I, I, I think uh, I, I've heard someone said, actually John Wimber said, uh, adversity can make you bitter or better. And the hurt in church can make you bitter or better. Please let it make you better. And this is the place to do it. If you can't learn it here and you just go to the next church, I guarantee you it's gonna happen there too. Someone once said, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, and I believe God is giving Heritage an opportunity to be a model church, a place where we can reflect Christ on earth. And remember Jesus at one point, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, so Jesus' life, if you examine him, that's what God's like. And then remember in John 17, he prayed and he's like, let us all be one so when they see you, they see me and we're one just like the Father and me are one. Imagine if heritage was everything we could be and when they looked at us, they saw an aspect of Jesus that they can't find anywhere else. It's the beauty of the church. It's, and this is what the church that Jesus wants, not what our culture wants, but how we will reflect Jesus. So the four basic things to make the type of church that the Lord wants for heritage is to be people who are devoted, people who meet together regularly, people who come to give, not to get, and people who actually belong to each other. It's such a different mindset that our modern mindset we view church. And we are not called to be a body part, but a body. And we give ourselves to the church. We reflect the manifest glory and wisdom of God. Sorry about that. Uh, we, you have an inheritance in Jesus. When you dedicate yourself to Jesus and his church, you will discover that destiny. When you dedicate yourself to Jesus and his church, we will all benefit too. It's the wonder of the church that we need to grasp. So right now, uh, can, can you bow your heads? I want to do an altar call, a special altar call. And I'm asking you to make a public statement that you want to join me in becoming the church Jesus is looking for. That you want to join me by adhering to these four attributes of a people to make up a healthy church. The first one is be devoted. The second is to meet regularly. The third is to to come, not to get, but to give. Give. And the fourth is to belong to each other. You know, it's kind of scary. But actually, this is very pioneering in our culture today. And this is what the Bible teaches. This is the type of church Jesus is looking for. So my question is, is will you join me in that? And this might be awkward for if you're a visitor here. And I'm going to ask you in a sec to stand and say, yes, by standing, you know, I want to be devoted, come regularly, come to give, not to get, and belong here, and belong to each one of you. And we're going to get better at shepherding and taking care of you. This is an awesome responsibility as a leader when people say, hey, I'm with you, I want to belong here. Now what? But we're trusting God, and God's going to show us together of where we go, what we become, how to, how to accurately and represent Jesus in a beautiful way. So, if you want to do that, I want you to stand right now and say, you know, I'm with you, Peter. I'm with, the, I'm with you, I'm with the elders. Amen. All right, thank you. And if you're, you know, if, if you're not part of this church and, you know, you have a home church, and that's fine, but in your heart, Wherever God is calling you, make this commitment to where God is calling you, to the family God is calling you. So I want to I want to ask uh, to repeat this prayer. Will you say, "Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, repent for all about me. I repent for making church all about me as an individual, as, an individual. As, a body. as a Heritage Church body, and we want church to be all about you, Jesus." We give ourselves to you and we give ourselves to this church body. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.